Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. What's good, Internet? It's June 14th, 2022, and you are listening to Waypoint Radio, episode 488. Hey, all right. Uh, I am your host, Rob Zachney, and I'm joined by Patrick Klopek. The energy... Kato, can you turn it off and on again? Can you start the podcast (laughs) over? I do not (laughs) like this energy. Reboot. (laughs) Oh, sorry. The the food was delivered. It's fine. Oh, who took care of it? Uh, MK. Okay. MK. I was a... Patrick, you beat me to it. I was... (laughs) Nice work. Thank you. And that was Renata Price. And of course, all of this is produced by Ricardo Contreras. Um. Hmm. So that's the noise of Kato scrubbing through twelve minutes of empty noise to get to <laughs> the start of the show. Recording. Yeah, yeah. So Patrick, yeah, you mentioned that there are things you wish to discuss, but might not be advisable <laughs> to stories that are that are best left untold, and yet you must discuss them. <sighs> This is the quandary. Do I put myself into the fraudosphere um, by discussing this on the podcast? I I think I must. I think I, you know, maybe at the end of this, my peers will will tell me, Patrick, like, just leave, just leave it where it was. You know, the people just, they're not going to get a conclusion to their story. But maybe they will. So, short version, try and summarize. So, Illinois passed a law that said, hey, if you're a social media company and you took biometric data... We're just going to give money back to people that live in Illinois. And I got $400 on Facebook. And so I bought a Sonos Move. They're like fancy outdoor speaker. Uh, And then it went on sale at Sonos. And so I returned. (laughs) I didn't pick one up for Best Buy because they delivered it late. Picked up another one from Best Buy. And then Sonos put theirs on sale. So I was going to deliver that one back, return it to Best Buy. Buy one from Sonos. Get that 20% off because that'd be almost $100 in savings. Even though this money didn't exist before, I'll take that $100. (laughs) Then a reader writes in and tells me, Patrick, did you know that within the 14-day window, you can just get Best Buy to price match that, and then you don't have to worry about that Sonos one? And I go, okay, that sounds great. Talk to Best Buy. They price match it. Get that $80 back on my card. And then the one from Sonos can't get canceled. They tried to send a request to the warehouse. The warehouse, it it was out the door, like... You can't, you're just going to have to return it the formal way. But then something mysterious happens. I realize I've been getting two emails, duplicate emails from Sonos. I just attributed that to a holiday sale mix up, and these are going to be the same device. Then it becomes clear they are different tracking numbers for different shipments. And one of them did not get charged to my credit card. So then on Friday, two boxes show up, and they are clearly 
two Sonos moves. And I took to my wife, I'm like, okay, I don't think there's an identifiable way to know which one of these got charged. And if we're trying to ride, kind of keep riding this line, I, how do you know which one is, you don't want to like wake the beast. I don't want Sonos to look at it. <laughs> and so it's like, you could reasonably assume the first charge was the first order and then an error happens, but you can't know for sure. And my wife looks at me and goes, look, I know you, you talked to Best Buy and got that credit, but isn't today still within the 14-day window? I said, yes. And she goes, just go return that one to Best Buy. Keep both Sonos ones. Don't talk to them. Don't even, don't even potentially bring that into the mix. I was like, wow, okay. As I've alluded to before, that sometimes I've unlocked things in my wife through my thriftiness. This was one of those moments. <laughs> I said, okay, you're right. Pack that thing up. Took it back to the Best Buy. Got the full credit on that. These two so from Shonos. And so I open them, I connect them, and I do start falling in love. I was like, oh, you can connect these as a stereo pair? Uh, this like this sound is like so much lovelier on my deck. I can leave one up there, also bring it downstairs. This is, I couldn't possibly return this. And maybe I don't have to because they just showed up. Well then, dear listener, I get an email from Sonos that says, Hi, Patrick. A recent update to our systems resulted in some orders being processed multiple times. <laughs> Unfortunately, and that's a very strange use of unfortunately, but that is theirs. You were affected by this uh, error and received multiple shipments of your order. I want to personally apologize for the inconvenience that this has caused. You have not been charged, which I can confirm I have not, and will receive prepaid return labels for any excess orders to this email address within two to three business days. Yada, yada, yada. The entire framing of this email is like, They've done me a great disservice by sending me this extra $400 speaker, um, which they have not. I just have an extra $400 speaker. Uh, and then my thought was, well, what do I do? Like, what's the escalation from here? Can they can they charge so me? I like was just Googling. So hold on. So then The Verge puts out an article this morning that is like a bunch of people are getting multiple Sonos orders. But you know what most people are getting? Like four Sonos moves and being charged twenty two thousand dollars for it. So most people, this this is like chronically happened in the course of the early part of the sale. Yes, but most everyone I've seen who's commented on this, like in chat and everything, everyone who was involved with Sonos right now has gotten two of everything. Yes, I got I got DM'd by somebody yeah. in the Waypoint community that got they have a tiny speaker um, that's like an outdoor one that's also supposed to be pretty nice, and they ordered one and got four. Um, but also like me, were not charged. And so then there was a Reddit thread on the Sonos Reddit about this, and it became a question over, well, what what should people do? And people pointed to, which is probably what Rob uh, found, yep. which is a, a page on the FTC's yep. website that says, unordered merchandise. what to do if you're billed for things you never got or you get unordered products. You just scroll yourself down. Do you believe in government? Do they constantly let you down? Do they not like, are they constantly fighting for the wrong people? Yes. But then you read your rights when you get unordered merchandise at consumer.ftc.gov slash a bunch of other stuff. By law, companies can't send unordered merchandise to you than demand payment. That means you never have to pay for things you get but didn't order. You also don't have to return unordered merchandise. You're legally entitled to keep that shit as a free gift. I added my own little flourish. Yeah, <laughs> so, he didn't write that. Yeah. 
Oh. Then it becomes. So what this becomes is I, I have rec- I have I have gotten this. I I don't have to do anything, and that that's why Sonos's email is written like to try and extract guilt from me because someone or a system profoundly fucked up. Um, so then like this Reddit thread becomes like a, well, you wouldn't keep an extra speaker that you got for free, would you? And it's a lot of people being like, I think I would. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and in this mm-hmm. situation, I think, I think I would, I think I am one of those people. <laughs> I think it's very easy. This hurts. No, it's a, it is a victimless crime. It's yeah. Which not, it's we're not uh, Sonos sells well-crafted, well-made, wildly overpriced, like, prosumer, like, not even prosumer speakers. Uh, I'm not sobbing for them over the, <laughs> over the, over no. the Sonos move. And this is feels especially good to have this validation, knowing that I told my wife over the weekend after having used these speakers a handful of times, like, actually, whatever happens, I don't think I'm returning this speaker. <laughs> I think if they were to tell me we're going to charge you, I think I would just say to myself... Well, I didn't really pay for the first one anyway that came from Facebook. And now I have a second child, and its name is Right Speaker on the deck. Um, and so um, I'm just following orders. I, I have been gifted. Um, Sonos gave me a gift, and I, I thank them for it. So I would say at the end of this, this is good to keep in the podcast. I am on solid legal grounds ethically. You know, I guess you have to toss your hands up. Um, but I've heard on this podcast that you should steal. And so, um, I'm not even doing that here. I'm just accepting a gift. Yeah. You're just accepting a gift. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into my email. Cause I like to clean up my emails. I kept this here for a little while, but then I love to get rid of emails. That's going into the archive by Sonos email. (laughs) That's going into the archive. I love that. That's that's fantastic. See, this is this is what I miss out on by dealing with like retail and like small business. Like I like you I would never out do that Sonos to your Bonanza. friend at the speaker store. No, you couldn't well, I do couldn't. That to them. Literally, I couldn't. <laughs> like that that man will notice me carrying out like two extra boxes. He would notice when I came back later, and I'd be like, ran out of room in my car. But you know those other two speakers you were going to give me. He'll be like, what? And I'll be like, yes, four speakers. And he would be like, no, get out. I am calling the police. And I'll never forgive you. In spite yeah. of in spite of our previous relationship, <laughs> I will never forgive you for this transgression. Right. It would be like the gates, the gates of uh, the Garden of Eden being closed to me. Hmm. Mr. Zotsny, uh, you've betrayed me. Yeah. How could how could you do that? Uh, and, it's, and in some ways, this is the longest possible way to justify like sometimes Rob has said, and, and I didn't dispute it. Like maybe, maybe all this work you put in to save a couple of bucks uh, is just like emotional energy you're putting into the world that you could channel elsewhere. And then the world <laughs> heard that Rob and said, "No, actually, we're going to deeply reward Patrick for his practices <laughs> in the most obvious manner possible." It was it, the, everything before this moment has been training. <laughs> like this, the the your 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 thrift to this point has been training for now the ultimate era of thrift, which this, is fraud and theft. This all starts because Best Buy was a day late with a package. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like amazing. A, like Best Buy misses getting that in under the wire by a day, and it sets in motion this like series of deals and trade-ins escalating to the Sonos Bonanza. 
This is my favorite um, scene in Uncut Gems, actually, is when uh, <laughs> Patrick just walking around his fucking patio on the on the weekend being like... <laughs> well, Patrick, I'm, I'm thrilled. You know what? I'm also so relieved that you got stereo sound now out on your patio. Like, it's so, Rob, it's so nice. Yeah, I, I it's, was... It's so nice. And it's... Because you just... It's in the app. You just click a little button. 30 seconds later, they're synced. And then I just click a button. They unsync. And then I can. I had one going in the garage. I had one going on the on the deck because I was doing a bunch of cleaning this weekend. Ah, oh, real cool. dad hours. Yeah. 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 Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah oh, everything about it was just I could not be leaning into my personal energies anyhow. I was I was literally manifesting things because of it. I God. This make me want to have a place where I need to do yard work or like deck work. God, <laughs> mm-hmm. to to have a speaker on a deck. Oh, living the dream. Yeah. Come on over. There's plenty of work to be done and not enough time to fill it. So, uh, <laughs> Listen, there's a I lot do. of weeds that need to be pulled in the back that I try to conveniently just paper over with mulch and hope they don't. Is it working? You appear. No, it doesn't work. They just mm. they, they just grow bigger and then you see them in two weeks. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah. And by the way, Ren, that's not like. An option being sent to you have to go help Patrick with yard work. Oh, <laughs> got it, got it, got it. This like as my content? as my senior, I'm being yes, got it, got it, oh, got come it. On. Yeah. Do you th- people? This is a work. We set up a webcam and then just stream. People us. would show up I for the stream. Waypoint whitewashes a fence. No, I have legitimately watched. Um, this actually happened once at uh, Fanbite. Is someone just streamed them mowing their own lawn? Um, and it's an energy I respect. You know, I would, I think a, a, a Waypoint yard work stream would be tremendously effective. <laughs> okay, so when we do, you know, other websites like Fanbyte, like get people together, like go to like someone's house or rent a house and have a retreat and have fun. Mm-hmm. No, we're going to go to Patrick's house full of children. <laughs> and we're just going to, we're going to pick weeds for, for, for an afternoon. Catch you, bud. Uh God. This is this is like when I showed up to work one day and I discovered we were cleaning out my boss's barn. That was <laughs> that, that wasn't exciting. He was like, "Good news, we're going to Golden Corral." I was like, "That's good news." Then what's the bad news? And it's like we're cleaning out the barn. I like the it- barn. I work at a liquor store. <laughs> Clean out a barn today. It's got there's gonna be all sorts of weird materials that are up in this barn. <laughs> What? Can you just ask your employees to come help you clean out a barn? No, of course it was wildly illegal. But it <laughs> no, like yeah. I was I was younger yeah. and also it was 2009. I was very glad to like oh, thank God I got this job. Don't want to lose the fucking liquor store gig. Uh yeah. <laughs> while oh I God. while I run out the clock on this lease. Yeah. Uh so yeah. I've I've had these jobs where someone like I worked at a, a diner slash confectionery where one day the dude just walked in and was like, hey, this is your job now. And it was like, this is very much not my job, but that's OK. Um, on the time, my manager had me DD uh, for the work Christmas party because I was 17 and she was like, yeah, you're DDing for us. And I was like, OK. Yeah, you just assume like, yeah, that's OK, sure. And also, like, this guy was enough of a prick that, like, if I've been like, fuck, no. Yeah, there would it like decent chance that's where I get fired. Um, but you know, fuck that guy. Um, yeah, get his I, ass. yeah, <laughs> I, I, oh, believe me, we did. We settled up accounts. Um, <laughs> oh my god, and by the way, if I committed a murder, no, I didn't, I didn't commit a murder. It's just, um, <laughs> not in a literal you know, sense, like, anyway. 
don't piss off employees who have barely supervised access to a lot of a warehouse full of high value goods that uh, only has like paper records. Like that's Ooh, that's what I'm saying. Hell yeah, um, go! I like this Rob era yeah. that I'm kind of hearing about in this moment. It's like Patrick taking advantage of like receipt errors, and then Rob Rob alluding to much. Dude, it was it was like barely it was like that montage in Goodfellas. I was say, like Rob's it wasn't just me. a warehouse. Yeah, to, a, a team it was of okay. People. So the other thing, like the the ringleader of all this was the 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 boss's like right hand man, uh, was like cool dude and all that. There is a weird dark story of like the reason that he never moved on from this job. He stayed there as like uh like assistant manager forever. Is like he'd gotten into some real financial trouble and the boss had like bought his debts. And on the one hand, the way the story was told to me was like, oh, man, he really bailed him out of a lot of trouble. Right. But from the other standpoint is that was like eight years in the past when I worked there. Right. So like for how long are you obliged to work for somebody who got you out of fan of jam? Mm -hmm. Uh, And so it was like it was a like pseudo indentured relationship. (laughs) But it also meant that this guy like at the end of a week. And it was like time to like clock out Friday night. He, like he's out there in the back being like, so, so kids, what do you want to take home? Um, And that's, and that's, and that's how that store ran. Uh, <laughs> it was, it was a bad scene. Uh, Anyway, Patrick, you said you mentioned manifesting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that reminded me of games fest, our year of, derelict space stations filled with monsters but most specifically it reminded me of the fact that as a very weird niche joke during the games fest stream uh last week i started identifying every every like derelict spaceship game as a game called routine Mm mm-hmm a game that Patrick, I think you and I are one of a dwindling handful of people who are like still obsessed uh, with this game um, yes. based <laughs> on the back of a trailer from like ages ago. Yeah, 2012, 20, 2013. Uh, yeah, uh, the routine was pitched as a horror roguelike that had a really striking aesthetic that was like adjacent of like aliens or a like the original alien. I think that was like a lot of what was like, ah, here's like some seventies computers and, um, it's something like alien isolation. I think maybe took a little <laughs> pop out of that by the time that came yeah. out and kind of scratched a little bit of, of that itch. But it also was an era in which the, the roguelike was becoming exceedingly popular as a gameplay sort of, a, or a game design approach. And it's like, what else can we apply this to? Um, and routine was pitched as, Hey, they're like creepy deranged, uh, robots that you're going to stalk and run from while you go about like escaping this, you know, like really like scarily clean looking uh, spaceship. It just had a really striking trailer. And uh, it became one of those kind of games that uh, people were less interested in because of what it was actually showing and more that they keep saying they're making it. And now we're, we're like, we've entered half a decade. We're entering a near full decade uh, and you know, there are various claims that, uh, that, Hey, the game is somehow still being worked on. Um, and I, yeah, I did a piece sort of like the last major update on that a couple of years back, maybe in 2018, uh, I think is when that might've been, been published. Uh, 
which I essentially just kind of caught people up with where we were and where we left off was a subreddit full of conspiracy theories is like the best way (laughs) to describe them, but not by people who were uh, people were just looking for an explanation. Like what happened to this game? I was really looking forward to. Um, I keep coming back to this subreddit looking for answers. And there were some implications or suggestions from folks in the community that, I don't know, like the team kind of fell apart. There was some like financial stuff that got weird. Um, I can't vouch for any of that, but basically people are grasping at straws. Like they were grasping at straws. Well, and really typical indie game stuff too. Yes, like this is like, uh, there's no great, there was no great mystery or intrigue about it. It was just had a really cool trailer. And then it's like, yep, sometimes projects don't pan out. Even if it seems like they got the technical know-how and like the resources, it just doesn't come together. Yes. Uh, and it fell in that bucket. And, uh, then, yeah, at the Summer Games Fest, I think, yeah, you had, you had joked about that. And then there was a moment. Someone spliced together. Uh, it's it's on, like, Waypoint subreddit. I don't know if there's an, a... We should we should maybe try, find a way to credit them and tweet that out on our account. But there's someone spliced together, like, our references. And then at some point, about, like, I don't know, a couple seconds into that trailer, you joked about it again. I was like, rat... I mean, the aesthetic does kind of look like routine, <laughs> but it never entered my mind that that could frankly be true and as it when as the fact that routine exists is being made in collaboration with raw fury you know an indie publisher who's put out a lot of really good stuff um alongside a note that the developers put out that uh essentially what they summarized was they got pretty close to the end of routine didn't really like what they'd made seem to be kind of embarrassed to admit that we spent all this time making a thing we don't really like and rather than putting it out they just sort of walked away and didn't say anything um, which is an interesting way to draw some sort of closure to that for them themselves. But, uh, they wouldn't say how, but somehow a line was opened up with Raw Fury. Raw Fury has like told me that it's like, quote, kind of like a wild story. Um, and the developers have routine themselves, uh, DM me and said, Hey, we were thinking about giving you a heads up and thought it'd be funnier if you just got surprised, which they were right. I'm really glad they didn't tell me. Um, but that they also uh, vouch for it being a pretty wild story and how, how they got where they were. But the game is now it's not, it's not close, right? Like it's not coming spring 2023. Like they're I kind of got the impression. So ample opportunity for become for it to become vaporware yet again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a, we have a full decade in front of us for it to enter 20 years of routine development. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, I, I you know, I, I have some more confidence. They seem awfully confident. Um, I'm I'm rooting for them. I win either way, you know, like I don't want the game to <laughs> not come out and, and not be good. But the notion that I'm one of the few things I'm doing as I enter my 40s is just writing routine <laughs> development, routine articles about routine <laughs> uh, development status. You know, we need our constants in life and and that can that can be mine. Uh, but I'm, I'm delighted that that is actually uh, happening. But it did fit in with, as you said, the. Uh, I don't know, Keely fishing for video games and all he got back were space, oh, <laughs> space horror yeah. games. Every that's time all you need. He tried. That's all you need. Uh, that's that like that is that is one of games places of power uh, is the like derelict uh, demon haunted spaceship. But I think uh, I think he's almost a victim of his own success because I think Keely has ushered in this era of uh, he's helped accelerate the like dismantling of E3 and widening when games are announced and talked about as opposed to over just the course of E3. That was happening sort of naturally. And then he was sort of an accelerant on that. Um, 
And so it wouldn't shock me if like part of what Keeley ran into and why we had, again, you like me, Rob, give me a whole hour of Keeley talking about space horror games. I'll be fine. But <laughs> um, I think it's got to be one of those things where you go looking for who's ready to announce something and you get a bunch of developers who are like, well, I don't, why do I need to do it arbitrarily in the middle of June anymore? Um, mm. Maybe I could do it later. Then the games you come back with just are the games you come back with. And that's how you end up with 15 minutes about a remake of a game that came out nine years ago. I find it really fascinating, actually, having gone through the list of every single game talked about over all of the press conferences, not just Summer Games Fest uh, itself, but um, State of Play, Summer Games Fest, um, the Xbox Showcase, the Gorilla Showcase, etc., etc., etc. The thing that I find really interesting is that even in these larger showcases, um, the amount of work being done uh, or being the amount of games being developed by either independent developers or uh, published by independent publishers, but being um, main stage, quote unquote, in these shows is is really, really interesting to me. Um, even going through like uh, Microsoft, for example, you have games like Flintlock, you have, um, I, I don't think in previous years you would see Flintlock on a main stage of Entity 3. Um, Unless it was an exclusive, which exactly. I don't think it is. Um, Flintlock, Witchfire, Routine itself, right? These are all games mm-hmm. that you would not traditionally expect to see on main stage, but we're here at this event because of the way in which the industry has shifted. And I find that this press conference, this or this series of press conferences has been, if not always good, extremely weird and kind of interesting to, like, behold uh yeah, yeah. it was oh, but, ahead, like there is no i mean there is no main stage is part of it right. like there just is none of, like none of these feel uh microsoft tried to have sort of a uh this is our big tent pole event this is showcasing everything we had like their whole pitch was this is everything we got uh coming up for the next year but the problem is that is still kind of a grab bag. Like there's a few things in there uh, that they can be, they they can show as like uh, hugely anticipated projects. But for the most part, it's like, here's a few like highly anticipated projects. Maybe some of them will hit this uh, release window, but then also here's all our friends. Here's all the stuff our friends uh, in the indie world are making and we'll go on game pass. Like even like even Microsoft, it, it still is in this, um, mode of boy like to a degree if 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 our being this sounds negative which i don't want to sound that negative given that i i did end up like having a pretty nice time across these press conferences i liked a lot of what was shown but it was also like this this week has been like emblematic of the contentification of video games mm-hmm. in some ways where it's just it doesn't mean that any of these projects like aren't individuated or uh, are are just like part of a content like chum bucket, but it does mean like the way they are pitched and like taken together, it it does end up. Uh, I think th- like this is more maybe front of mind, especially coming off the Microsoft thing, because that emphasis on the next like twelve months, right? Where it's like. We, we just want to shovel stuff out at you. Like, like we promise there's games coming. There's stuff, there's, there's stuff going to be on our game pass service. There's stuff that's going to like take advantage of that expensive new console, uh, that we either sold you or that we want to sell you. And there's very little to like, like by some lights, you could say everyone's kind of getting 
almost equal treatment in terms of the emphasis being given to a few big names versus uh, a variety of like grab bag indie platformers and adventures. But on the other hand, the the thing they all share, the equality is, hey, we're all kind of commodities being flung at this audience right now and sort of a in sort of a mass. Mm hmm. And, and all being flung in, in distinctly different ways. I think that's the other fascinating thing about this conference is that like every or a lot of these different shows had radically different approaches um, to how they would be conveying information to their audiences. Like the Summer Games Fest was a weird hybrid because they needed Jeff Keighley as a presenter. And so he would awkwardly transition between things. But other things like Day of the Devs were just developer speaking, next game, developer speaking, next game, developer speaking, next game. Uh, Devolver did the Devolver thing. Um, Guerrilla Collective mostly just did um, a stream of content, but with two hosts who would like kind of set things up, and then it would be content stream. It was just a lot of a lot of different ways to shovel things out onto people, each of which were varying degrees of successful. I would say. I would say like uh, Day of the Devs is probably the one I would I would sort of flag as one of the better pitches, but that's because it was so comparatively roomy mm -hmm. in terms of the presentations like each one was both an introduction to the developers but then also kind of an extended demo pitch of the game itself right like it was the sort of thing it was the sort of like good presentation you would get covering an event uh if like instead of getting one of the people working the booth you get the developer themselves who's like you know hey let me let me show you what i'm working on and they sort of talk you through it. That like day day of the devs. That that part of the story. That 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 stream succeeded at bringing across that energy. Mm -hmm. But also the way it was able to do that was it was a pretty large block of time for a relative like handful of games. Yep. Uh, whereas like Microsoft, it was very much like we're we have a lot of stuff to get through. Um, yeah, I could have used a breather during Microsoft. Frankly, yeah. like at a certain point, it's like okay, like it is cool. Like that we've gotten a little bit away from the E3 style of like the pomp and circumstance, but uh, I also could use some breathing room in between like mm -hmm. <laughs> trailer after trailer after trailer after this is coming to Game Pass. This is coming to Game Pass. Um, you know, I mean, the, the day that devs is like most closely modeled after, you know, what everyone's chasing, which is the Nintendo Directs. Like Nintendo mm, yes. established this model, has yeah. since the beginning had the best balance between uh, having a charismatic personality lead it while also forwarding the developers working on it and also giving you a decent enough glimpse of the games that they're talking about. Um, you know, Nintendo's refined that really, really well um, and probably still does it the best. And I think part of the reason the Day of the Devs, and also how the Day of the Devs is like comparatively so much cheerier and colorful versus, uh, you know, I love the gooey stomps of, uh, uh, of Keeley's show, but it was a lot of, it all kind of like bled together as as a result, um, and it made it harder for those individual games to to stand out. And um, there was just such an eclectic mix of aesthetics and game design approaches in Day of the Devs, combined with like just like the editing rhythm and presentation rhythm. Um, like the Keeley thing, I understand why he forwards himself. He is a popular figure; people do watch, partially because of Keeley. As odd as that is, kind of. To, to, to say but that is that he is a fixture of those events <laughs> and people partially like them because of him but i also found that he was frequently sort of interrupting the own like the flow and uh like kind of natural feel of his own presentation when it felt a little bit it was like hey Hang on. it's not his fault that glenn schofield 
uh, like, like went for, like bowed bowed before the throne. Well, that's what I mean. There's uh, a bit of like kiss the feet. ring, kiss the ring element to a number of those presentations. Or you can tell that Kaylee is not shy about, hey, these are people that I'm friends with. Like I know really well. I want to show my friends stuff. Like that's the whole bit with Kojima. That's essentially a bit with Druckmann as well. Um, but I don't know if that stuff makes for a better presentation. Um, maybe that makes it more entertaining for like the average. You know, viewer, you know, the numbers don't lie. Like, he gets a shitload of people watching these that are not, you know, us. Um, But uh, I don't know. Like, especially watching those two back-to-back, I'm so glad that we were able to do that because it it was refreshing for a lot of reasons. I remember every game that was at Day of the Devs. I might not remember their titles, but I could describe to you every game that was shown at Day of the Devs. Right. And that is, that makes it unique among the press conferences. Um I remember being pretty exhausted after that first summer games fest stream uh, and leaving it kind of empty. And then uh, day of the dev started and I was like, I actually got excited at several things there. Um, and that was a, that was a good feeling to have. Well, I mean the, the, the problem is of course that eventually the first summer games fest uh, stream ran out of uh, haunted space stations. Like that's like, that that's where thing I, my interest began to wane is like starts out with some sort of, Colonial, have we figured out that's a twin stick shooter in RTS? What? The, the Aliens, Aliens game. game. It's a real time strategy game. Okay, so it's we think like natural selection style? Natural selection um, 2? The, 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 I don't think we've seen gameplay, but the description was a top down real time squad tactics game. So the Jagged Alliance is real time, right? That's not turn based. No, well, the good one is turn based. They try many times to make it real time. They shouldn't have. Uh, I mean, I, okay. I, yeah, I, mean, I wouldn't be shocked if it's a game that you could pause, right? But that mm. you're not actually explicitly taking turns. Um, they seem to be sort of the that's wait. I really wish they had forwarded that because that's so much more interesting than a twin stick alien shooter, which I'm sure would be yeah. fine enough. But that like I wouldn't play that, and I was like way no. more interested the moment I found there's any sort of strategic layer to uh, to the game they were they were pitching. Yeah, that's the it's the forty. I assume they're going to do the forty k strategy game campaign approach. Um, the what's the one i'm thinking of rob uh total i think the one oh god well i mean there's the the relic ones dawn of war yes i was thinking um, the dawn of war games yes that is the exact methodology i think that they would probably do oh my god even the horde stat yeah that might be the play yeah i am i'm really curious uh but like that was that was kind of an an unexpected instead of being yet another colonial marines game uh i'm actually kind of curious because they're because the, the pitch they're making with that trailer at least is like we're gonna do the horror thing and i'm always really interested at in people trying to do horror through things like tactics or rts because mm-hmm. it's not easy to pull off um like like it is it, are there other examples like what even are are there examples of uh i mean to go to way that? into the archives uh yeah. there's a there was a game called odium uh that was a tactics game I know it was set in Russia. I can't remember if it was actually like a uh, like Russian or like po- like um, like former East Bloc developed mm-hmm. game, but it was a tactics game that one of its one is like it was legitimately creepy as hell. Uh, so that was that was kind of cool. Uh, just had a creepy, eerie vibe. As I think you, I think you went to Chernobyl. Look, it was it, it was it was new and novel at the time. Uh, okay, Gorky Seventeen was the other uh, release name. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was going into like a Soviet secret city where something had happened. Um, but the the catch was, I believe, 
certain weapons or maybe like members of your team, like they had attack patterns that were like chess move patterns. So like mm-hmm. you'd have a guy who like fired on bishop axes and like couldn't couldn't hit someone in front of him, but could hit someone on the diagonal to him. And so you had to like fight your squad, like bearing in mind those weird limitations. Um, hey, Rob, we're gonna find a way to cool. we're gonna find a way to play this game. <laughs> I'm watching this. This is so fucking. We're gonna play sad. Gorky. We're gonna play Gorky Seventeen. I Put tried, it on the fucking last calendar. Last time I tried, it was <laughs> it was rough. It was rough. I'm not uh, saying we're gonna beat it. We're not gonna thing this. Yeah. But I, I I need I need to see Gorky Seventeen. This is super looks, sick. This looks cool. Yeah, I mean, like, yes, like it is a game that, like, 20 years later, I'm still like, man, I wish I'd played more than just the PC Gamer demo disc. Oh, that thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, yeah. That was cool. That's the story, story of my life when I was a, a teenager. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, you're right. There they're just aren't many that have that have done this. Like, I think like XCOM uh, certainly plays in that uh Yeah, the second space. XCOM, like Tears of the Deep, is like, th- that is definitely going to kind of yeah. sc- scare you as much as a game like that. Well, the newer ones with their really scripted missions yeah. uh, definitely lean into that. Like the in XCOM 2, there's the shark mission. If we remember the the shark full of chrysalids, like stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like that was at least sort of a surprise in terms of like not what you're expecting uh, from a trailer like that. Whereas as much goodwill as I have toward the idea of like more dead space. I do struggle to get invested in the Callisto Protocol. I can't. I, yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm deep. I, you know, I will play it. I'm. Ho- I'm hoping there's more than what they have shown because what they have shown, it, it, like, the only thing that's getting me on board is well, I like these games, so <laughs> I would play another. And they don't make that. You know, like basically, Dead Space Three came out, and you know, we just kind of stopped getting games like that. Um, and so getting two of them back to back is exciting. Um, but in, in some ways I, I really hope that game doesn't slip because it'll be fascinating to play. I'd rather play the Callisto protocol and then dead space one rather than the other way around. Um, cause I think it's more interesting to see what did the, what did a lot of the core dead space team members take away from that time making it? Uh, and then they come back and build something new, but clearly very inspired by dead space. And then contrasting that against a, uh, you know, like a full-fledged remake of the original with expanded content and you know new UI elements and things like that. But yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm 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 coasting on Callisto Protocol like purely on potential than in anything that I've I've seen in the game well, so far. At least it didn't pour cold water over all your enthusiasm the way poor Fort Solace did <laughs> uh, by being like, "What can we show of this game? Nothing except Troy Baker uh, in." <laughs> <laughs> in boat shoes um and he's gonna tell cool stories about uh just how much they loved him on the set of that of that game uh you know he didn't think that he was awesome but his stunt coordinator reassured him he was awesome uh and you know that's just what it's all about that was basically the pitch it was it was yeah. just the most it was deeply awkward uh yeah they had it, nothing like, to, they had nothing to show um, yeah. Who knows if that game comes out any anytime soon? Uh, <clears throat> Ren, you had before we started, you sent a, an image of a bunch of games you had circled <laughs> that you like. Um, can we talk about Final Fantasy 16? We can talk about FF 16. What What did you make? So this this is the state of play. Sort of kicked things off a little bit before the Summer Games Fest, yeah. but um, I thought that trailer fucking slapped. 
I'm extremely excited for that game. I'm I'm curious what you what you made of it. I think Final Fantasy 16 looks like an extremely interesting interpretation of what Final Fantasy is and could be. Um, it seems like it is primarily focused on a single character, um, which is odd for the series. Um, the only other example I can think of is like Lightning Returns, right? Um, right. Uh, but also, it seems to have, have a deep interest in the summons and like mm-hmm. giving you direct control over the summons for kaiju style battles. I'm I'm starting mm. to wonder if the summons in this game function like mechs. That is my that is my current suspicion. Is that yeah? They haven't really set, been very explicit. Like if you watch the trailer, you can sort of like you can start piecing together maybe how the combat system works. You'll like see. They're like UI elements for the summons alongside like ground, like soldier on soldier combat that's happening. And it seems like they're implying that, yes, it'll be like cutting between those somehow that like you'll be, you know, fucking air juggling six dudes and then poof, like cut away to you also fighting as, you know, Ifrit or whatever uh, in some other part of the battle, which sounds like if done right, like extremely cool and a, a much more interesting like I'm, I'm over the like let's watch a 90 second cutscene when i when i do a summon like i enjoyed that on on my ps1 but right. i'm i'm here for a reinterpretation of what the summons mean to final fantasy even if they don't want to give up the cool spectacle part and i, I think the interesting thing to me is the way that they centered them because like they were doing like it felt like a wrestling promo in a way Ooh. like it was like showing you the card of this <laughs> game it was like <laughs> All your all your faves are good. <laughs> Ifrit all your faves is here. Ifrit Bahamut this Sunday. Um, <laughs> like that was the energy that it had, and it makes me wonder if the the thing that I suspect, and why I think it's like a mech adjacent thing or like a, a character being tied to this thing, is that the main character only uses fire attacks during the trailer, if I remember correct, and the game makes a very very pointed like. We are ending with Ifrit. We are ending with Ifrit. We are going to show him multiple times, and this is how this game cuts off. So it's making me suspect that the player character has some association with Ifrit, and that is likely motivating, like a key motivator for like the game going forward, because it showed a bunch of other characters who then had their own relationships to summons. And then, while it was never made explicit, I do think that might be the direction that they're going, which is an interesting direction to take Final Fantasy in. I mean, this is a... They've they've called it a darker twist on the series, but like I think it is a I think it's a neat place to go to, especially after the experiment of fifteen uh, and the big experiment of the thirteen trilogy. Um, it is it is interesting to see that series go weird places. Um, what is your relationship to Final Fantasy? Like, where does it start? Like that series is long enough that you have different people with different entry points, where you can have folks who are older than me who started with. The original, I enter with Final Fantasy six slash three, but really like fell off the deep end with seven. Like a lot of people like that just hit me at the right age. And like, that's what I fell. That's how I fell in love with JRPGs was 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 primarily through seven and then working my way backwards. But where does where does that happen with you? It was Final Fantasy VI. I played it on. Uh, I believe I played I'm glad to know advanced. that that is still possible. That makes me, uh, that makes me <laughs> deeply happy that suplexing a ghost train can still be the entryway for people into final fantasy six advanced uh i believe it was advanced but the other thing is that i played them on my phone like once i got a mm-hmm. phone i was like i can put video games on here for free 
You're telling me I can just, this is, you're telling me this is like a free Game Boy? Wow. <laughs> and so I ended up uh, getting like a bunch of Final Fantasies, playing them to varying degrees, liked the series a lot. But my first real exposure to the series was when I was, I believe, nine or ten. Sorry for this. Um, when I was nine or ten, I played um, Final Fantasy thirteen. This was gonna. Uh, be, this on. was my theory. I didn't <laughs> want to spoil it ahead of time, but I, I was like, there's a lot of. If I had to just throw a dart, and I was like, I wonder if Ren found herself oddly vibing with lightning <laughs> and then wanted to play that game. All right. Hey. Hey, you. <laughs> it's you, not a threat. Need, it's just, need, uh, just evidence mounts in a direction. Get out a of big sign pointing at lightning. <laughs> it's, it's true. Um, and then they made three of them just for Ren? <laughs> I'm going to find an image in a sec that I'm going to send to the chat. But yeah, so it was Final <laughs> Fantasy XIII. I rented it as a kid. Didn't play through the whole thing, but it like deeply imprinted on my brain. Um, it is one of those games that like I played growing up, uh, like the Full Metal Alchemist PS2 game. Um, <laughs> wow. Final Fantasy VII Dirge of Cerberus. Oh, no. Oh, um, no. <laughs> Final oh, no. Final Fantasy XIII, uh, Two Human. All of these games, I played like hundreds of games oh, i guess you could have played dirge of cerberus up. in the era of did you know it was a bad game or could you no. just appreciate it for what like i just i i wanted to i wanted to play this character in his own video game i don't know what bad is quite yet or was it the fandom was just no, enough to motivate this was you to as keep a playing? child i was okay. i picked up dirge of cerberus yeah, knowing so you didn't know that rules it. that's such a fun era to play video games so you just can't actually tell if it's good or not and you're, <laughs> just, you're just there for it right and like that is actually how i developed my critical toolkit was by going into a video store and playing a game for two hours and being like okay i have to learn all of this game's basic mechanics in two hours or three hours and then you do that over the course of like several hundred times and suddenly you get really good at grokking what a game is doing very sure. quickly um but so i had this like very scattershot relationship to final fantasy um as like an insider outsider perspective of like okay i like this series a lot but at the same time i haven't like i know these games even though i haven't played them i've seen them played or i, I understand the arc of the series um which is why i'm like really fascinated by this le by this most recent era and by like every era of this strange series like it, it they made a fucking. They made two MMOs. They made the Final Fantasy twelve, which is fascinating. It's just, it's just a really cool thing to like look at the arc of. I think. Mm -hmm. Anyway, yeah, Final Fantasy sixteen looks dope. I'm excited yeah. to see more of that. It was a good, it was a good trailer. I can see why I, I saw some mixed response to it because, I mean, yeah, it kind of le is leading. It's not quite edge lordy, but it is like the dark, twisted fantasy is a. Uh, but all the talent behind it is just. I just b believe that they're going to make something really interesting it's mm -hmm. like you're you know you've got the x uh the pre the the combat designer of dragon's dogma is as i believe the, the lead on combat for for this and you know you've got the one of the creative leads being the you know the creative lead on on third on uh what uh 14 the mmo you know the one the game that everyone yeah. loves um the story that everyone loves it's like i you know whatever my reservations are maybe about the trailer and what i can't maybe some of its stylistic stylistic uh stylistic leanings uh it's just like that's too, that's too many good people. Like I think they're gonna make a, a really interesting video game. I mean, Final Fantasy is at its best when it's taking big swings. 
Yeah. Like, it's it's taking big, weird swings. And if they're taking a big, weird swing on the game's tone, I'll I'll follow them there. Yeah, we went from, like, uh, hot boys, like, traversing in a car to, well, whatever this is, <laughs> kaiju fights. So, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. It is, there is not a, there's a through line, and the through line is Final Fantasy and Magic. Um, but I like that those two games could not be more different in so many ways, and yet are both called... Final Fantasy. That's cool. By the way, Ren, you're totally right that it seems like the specific summons are linked to people. In this uh, PS5 PlayStation blog, like, blog about there's, like, two characters called the Dominance of uh, the Dominance of Titan and Garuda. So Titan and Garuda being the summons. And, like, the Dominant is, like, a person tied to that specific one. Right? Like, yeah. It's 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 confirmed like that those are specific people being kind of tied to each one. Mm. I love to grok. Love yeah. to grok information. Um Yeah, game seems sick. Kyle, was there anything uh anything that stood out to you? Oh uh, there's a there's there's a lot of lot of games happening. Oh one I keep coming back to that seemed I mean one one of the more striking looks is Pentiment, right? Like mm-hmm. this whole game looked like an illuminated manuscript, which is just fucking sick. And then it's behind, like it's the people behind, uh, well, uh, the Pillars of Eternity team, or a part of it at least, right? Uh, which that yeah, game was specifically Josh Josh Sawyer, yeah, um, as a as a designer being a creative head on it. Um, but just like lots of really interesting, like stuff happening in in the trailer there visually what is the game curious. actually about i watched that trailer yeah. liked the art watched rob's uh being transfixed by it uh, but <laughs> what did you kind of what did you pick up on like was actually like what am i doing in that game i haven't read i'm sure it's like been illuminated in a blog post somewhere, somewhere but i maybe but have not read it yet i mean what it looked like was a, nar- a narratively focused game of some sort right and you're probably you know uh Picking the at least dialogue choices, but apart from that, it was like kind of hard to tell what specific action or verbs you like mm. you would be taking. But it just looks very like very well done art- artistically. And then knowing that the designers of this other game, like I enjoyed the first Pillar of Eternity game, it's like oh okay, so they'll they'll do something with this. It won't just be a pretty to look at. I'm sure it'll be interesting to interact with as well, right? So. But I'm not well, sure what the interactions are yet. Like, I couldn't really so see anything specific other than, like, yeah. The thing I was kind of digging is that, so in particular, what's drawing from is, um, you, like, cartoon marginalia that you find in a lot of, uh, like, texts. And so, like, to me, like, part of the vibe I was picking up on is just it sort of seemed like an absurd period comedy uh where it like i don't know to to me like it felt a bit like if you crossed very old school like lucas games with art history and a background and like medieval translation i think you get this uh and you know where 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 the you, you keep seeing like a uh a bit of a kind of a schmuck uh going through a series of uh comic misfortunes against like the darkness of 
you know, the 1600s uh, in in or or uh, 1500s in Europe. Uh, so I I don't know. Like I am I am hoping. Like it it it, it seemed like. It seemed like it'd be a very funny game, uh, like and and leaning into the fact that like it's an era of plagues and like uh, ridiculous, like faux science. So like all that stuff kind of kind of got really excited and like kind of got me excited. And also, it seems like they're really going to play with the idea of the game is aware that it's a series of events playing out on pages. And is going like there. There's a bit in the tra- and there's a bit in the trailer where a character makes a hasty exit from a bad situation by jumping down to a different frame, uh, and into a different scene, uh, which just cracks me up. And like I'm, I'm so curious uh, how this is like yeah. how this is all going to play and what they're gonna what they're gonna do with this. So I've done a little bit of reading on it, um, and I have seen it described less. Uh, one of the devs said this is not this is a detective story. This is a story about in part solving a murder but this is not a detective game uh was the was the important point of clarification that they did because they were like detective games are really cool and i like them a lot this is not what this is i have seen it compared to a medieval disco elysium is the comparison i've seen floating around and that it is as much about an individual story as it is about a place and people's interactions and movements through a place in a particular point in time and like that is the game's central focus. Um, and that is really interesting to me uh, as a uh, uh, Disco Elysium fangirl, uh, that like this game is is in that same wheelhouse and in conversation with it is very exciting to me. As far as, um, like, let's see. We, we're going to, we, we end up talking about a lot of this with the next Lander crew, uh, which you're going to hear about in the next half of the show. Uh, we, we streamed with them, uh, the Microsoft showcase on Sunday. And then we had sort of a, a recap of, uh, you know, our favorite stuff, uh, from, from that stream. Something I've only touched a little, uh, like touched lightly on is the stuff coming out of the PC gaming show. Um, it, it seems like there was a lot of, a lot of neat stuff there that like is just all of the I think mean, this is another aspect of like how things have changed for me it is so hard to build the hype energy right now because my experience of games is kind of this like there's just waves of games all of which like could be interesting but you kind of need to see and play them to to see how they deliver but like you know, when I look at the PC gaming show, there's a lot of, uh, you know, city builders, for instance, that all have like a hook and a gimmick. I was sort of joking with uh, Kata while we were getting ready. Uh, there, there's a game called Lissara uh, Summit Kingdom, yeah. uh, which is a mid, a mid- uh, it's a city builder, uh, but all the cities are on like mountainsides. That's kind of nifty, but also it's like an airborne kingdom was a city builder, but the city is a floating uh you know is is a is a flying city uh powered by you know like basically air bending and such uh and and so like games like that it's it's tough to say i'm i'm putting a pin in the calendar for when this comes out i am very game to check it out but like there's there's a lot of games that fall in this category of they're they're offering they're like mid-size or smallish games operating in an established genre and they all got a twist Mm -hmm. but the nature of that is 
you gotta play it to see if the twist works. And so the, the pitch can only be so effective. There's like the four or five Stardew Valley-esque variants yeah. that, that were shown across multiple press conferences, across Wholesome Games, across Guerrilla Collective, even on main stage shows. Like there have been a lot of this style of game uh, being uh, shown right uh, now. The limbo, the, uh, I think Kotaku uh, had, I was one of the other headlines, they coined the limbo-like because yes. there's also a lot of games that are like, oh, limbo was really cool. How can we make our own version of one of, of, one of those? Uh and I think that that is a, a constant refrain you see across a bunch of these presentations as well. Is like, ah, what is the very strikingly art, uh, striking art direction applied to a platformer, uh, like adventure game centered around on puzzles? Do you um, feel like that well's a bit dry though? Like when I see games, like whenever I see like a really slow paced like platformer that's really leaning into like an insider limbo aesthetic, and mm-hmm. it's like, man, like childlike themes and art but also <laughs> a a harsh brutal grimness that intrudes unexpectedly <laughs> I, I, I'm, I like i just like i understand like people get inspired by stuff uh like like there's nothing wrong with being derivative of like awesome stuff and like trying your own twist on it but i do feel like it's one of like this is where i like i'm a complete hypocrite infinite variations infinite patience for like derelict space stations Uh, where I'm just like yeah feed that guy into the fan yeah (laughs) and then somebody's like uh, you know, my my team and I have worked the sand piano music starts and then Rob Rob goes uh oh get the fuck off the stage (laughs) oh my god I'll throw you into a fan god I mean I think I think you're right this 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 whole conference has felt like our conferences has felt like a series of variations on various themes. Like every three minutes we get a new theme that the, the, the following hour is going to be a variation upon. Um, and that's been really weird and interesting, but has like led to a bunch of different people having the, having the, the thing for them, a bunch of things for them in rapid succession, uh, which is also it's odd because you you both get ex- like for example a Callista protocol for y'all like the the space horror shooter right you got to have the oh yeah this is my moment immediately followed by ah fuck there's too much in this moment ah shit <laughs> and I feel like most people I know including myself now have had that exact arc of being like oh hell yeah this is this is my moment and then at the end of it being like ah yeah it's just a, a weird a weird set of like themes and then uh like an odd diversity of show well and i wonder if some of that is uh now you know stuff like this becomes more apparent when you're getting shotgunned like you know 150 200 trailers all at once but it's also the case that i think games are more games are being made and they're being made faster and so i think you have this is less true in like the, the bigger budget space where it takes so much longer for a game to get made but especially on the indie side of things where you know, you can see a game that kind of creates its own subcategory, and then there is a race to, well, how do we do this, but with our own spin on it, right? You're already seeing it with a game like Vampire Survivors, right? Where, like, I'm not saying Vampire Survivors is wholly original, but it deeply popularized a specific approach to making a game. Ren, didn't you, aren't you playing another one of these? Like the uh, 20, uh, what was 20 minutes to dawn, something? 20 minutes until dawn, yes. It is a game right. about surviving 20 minutes uh, by making the weirdest, most broken build you can. Yeah, yeah. And and that, I, I, I'm sure that game wasn't didn't start development four months ago and come out. But I think there is, uh, I, I, I mean, and things like 
these like not E3 or whatever you want to call it, like helps like surfaces those trends in such a direct way that it can feel a little overwhelming and a little tiring, even if on a place like Steam, um, th- those games will find their subcategories and communities and all be successful or could be successful in their own ways, even. But then when you see them and you're not part of that, it's like, I, I want this itch scratched not once, but like in seven different ways. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, that can feel a little odd when it's like all getting spammed at you to try and cast this wide net. Um, when you, but then when the games retreat back to a place like Steam to their direct communities, like it's not as targeted as widely, and so you don't notice it as much. Right. Yeah. So I feel like every time I see what do they call them now? Boomer shooters, like essentially, uh, you know, yes. uh, making throwback. Uh, you know, like a 90s style uh, mm. first person shooters, you know, like what did the, what if the build engine, you know, looks like, you know, in 2022. So there's a, there's a lot of those like you'd be shocked. I mean, I is there's a shocking amount of those games. What'd you yeah. say? Kato? Is Gloomwood a boomer shooter? Uh, kind of. They have described it as a hybrid between a boomer shooter and an emergency. But it's, it's in the sphere, right? Like it's an over, you know, like yeah. Gloomwood looked neat. <laughs> yeah um but it's it, it but again like the boomer shooter like popularizes this notion of revisiting you know 90s style first person shooters where like they're really fast and frenetic in a way that uh just does not exist uh in in a lot of modern like bigger budget shooters and then and then you get your offshoots right then you get a gloomwood where you stay mishing and mashing uh various elements from other things but uh, I, I guess i should have mentioned agent 64 that's that's the one that is I saw the trailer right? for that. It's basically like, what if Golden Eyes 64? It's just Golden Eye, yeah. Yeah, it's just <laughs> we Golden We made Eye. another one. Um, there's like something highly specific of the way the gun floats in yeah. Golden Eye that as soon the as slight. I saw that, I was like, oh, okay. I know what they're going for right. yeah. <laughs> here. That slight, like, you can tell when it like locks onto, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it like swings over. Yeah, the auto aim in Golden Eye is like so hyper like it has its own aesthetic yeah which is like weird to say about an auto aim and maybe that's just reflective of how many hours i put into goldeneye specifically that i can call that out but like as soon as i saw a screenshot for that game right exactly immediately my brain warped back because of just the hyper specific way that game visualized its gun not guns but like gun placement and 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 how it moved as the player targeted uh, enemies. Um, it's interesting that like an Agent 64 suggests it's always it maybe moments like this or like instances where you can see where are we moving on the age curve? Like where's the nostalgia curve like moving, right. right? Like there's a lot of PS1 stuff happening, but I feel like we're maybe getting to the end of the PS1 nostalgia fest, which means we're about to enter PS2, Dreamcast, N64 and those aesthetics are not as at least to me, even having lived through them, not as obvious as PS1, but but maybe not. Maybe, like, and that's what I'm curious to see. Like, obviously, Agent 64 suggests otherwise, right. but I'm I'm curious to see how it's, that filters out to all. In sorts my of mind, I always associated the 64 and the PS1 closer together. Was the PS1 earlier, really? It's. I would say. Tim, wait, uh, oh, the, the 64 and the PS1? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those are, those are no, contemporaries. Head, no, right? they're, 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 no, they're contemporaries. They're contemporaries. They are yeah. contemporaries. Oh, I guess you're right, yeah. It, well, I'm it's trying worth, to see. Because PS2 then is the GameCube, right? PS2 and GameCube. It's yes. also worth noting that they have very different aesthetics, though. Like, th- yeah, that's the yes. thing, is that the eras of nostalgia is, is interesting insofar as, like, 
we're in like the PS1 horror boom. Great for me. Excellent for me as someone who loves the <laughs> that particular aesthetic and that way of doing horror. Even in this show alone, we got um, Signalis and The Fridge is Red. With bo- which the Fridge is Red like, looks great. They both look sick as hell. Um, but in the independent space, in like the very, very independent space, I mean, there's been the N64 aesthetic has been played with in really fascinating ways. Um, there is a game in the Dread X collections uh, that uses like N64 platformer aesthetics to do really cool shit with horror. Um, mm. There are multiple games that do that. And I think that like, I don't know if it's such that we're entering eras of nostalgia and more that we are seeing a diffusion of what nostalgia means, right? Like I, for example, grew up, I'm, younger than everyone else in this podcast right but i still have a lot of the same cultural touchstones or similar cultural touchstones because of the diffusion over time and access to various areas of work so it's i feel like it's less built on nostalgia and more built on like inspiration for a new generation of people coming into contact with aesthetics that they did not grow up with and that is what fascinates me about what's happening right now um we should probably wrap it about here because we got like there's another half of the show um i'm curious like at, like one last time around the room is there anything you wanted to highlight that you just didn't get a chance to shout out yeah there was so much i feel like um one small thing is that uh i don't think it makes financial sense that sony is doing another vr headset f- for their playstation but it's but I'm glad they are for like selfishly as someone that really likes virtual reality kind of in fits and starts like we'll play a bunch of games and then put the headset away for six months um like between the quest finding a footing for developers to make truly make money uh on VR games through that device but then the PSVR 2 promising hey what if that but the games are going to be higher fidelity and with bigger budgets uh and like the backing of our first party that's that is exciting uh, to me. And so I don't, it's hard enough for them to make PS5s. The idea that then they're going to have the separate device that's several hundred dollars uh, charged on top of that probably sounded better like pre COVID, you know, you could, you could, you could, uh, but even pre COVID, I think, I don't know. The quest kind of ruined everything for a lot of our, like that's just kind of like the game in town is, is the quest in the quest is the predominantly used headset on steam. Um, um so like things like the index just haven't really registered but uh yeah that's the other thing i would shout out is i'm i'm glad they're gonna keep making those for people like me that really like those games um even if it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to do so i want to i want to shout out a couple of smaller games um across various conferences um skate story uh, is one of the sickest trailers I've ever seen. Uh, I don't know how that game plays, but it's so striking to look at. <laughs> yeah, it is a skateboarding game about being a demon made of glass. And it is just like <laughs> gorgeous. The music oh, is yeah. astounding. Yes. I'm li- yes. This entire podcast, I've been listening to the artist who does all of the game's music because I was like, this is in- extremely, extremely rad. Um, I mentioned Signalis and the Fridge is Red. Birth, I'm really excited about. I went back and played the developer of that game's previous game, Landlord of the Woods. Birth is just like a very simple physics-based adventure game uh, with like puzzle, like a puzzly adventure game that does a lot of physics stuff. I played uh, the developer's previous game, Landlord of the Woods. Really cute. A dollar game. It's like worth an hour of your time. I think it's neat. Uh, and also the Shin Megami Tensei fan in me was, was well sated. 
uh, with <laughs> fucking Soul Hackers 2, a sequel to a game that came out in, I believe, 1998, uh, 1997. Um, Atlas, Atlas does what it wants. Yeah, it, it does. It is not doing focus <laughs> tests for the games that it is is making. Sometimes it just makes them good. For and them. I'm so lucky that they do that because Soul Hackers Two looks so up my alley. I am beyond excited. And, uh, and the fact that they call it it's kind of a little thing, but that you could imagine maybe traditional marketing would tell you, "Look, it's been so long. Just call it Soul Hackers, right? Don't add the two. Like the the two is going to scare some people off from playing." And Atlas says no. We will leave the two. Thank you. People it's can a, figure it out. It's a sequel in the sub-series of a sub-series because it's <laughs> Shin Megami Tensei, Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner, and then Shin Megami Tensei Devil Summoner Soul Hackers, which is the, the sub-sub-series. Oh it's Delicious. It's incredible. I mean, to be fair, Devil Summoners isn't actually the name of a particular series. It's not in Japan. I believe Devil Summoner is not actually the name of a group of games. It is just ways to brand them in a way that is recognizable to US audiences. Um, so all of the Devil Summoner games are very different from one another, at least very different from one another in the sub-series. Um, but I'm so excited for Soul Hackers 2. Soul Hackers 1 is a weird, interesting game. Uh, I'm really interested in this one that happened during i think this was the pc games uh uh show novalis yes which is like uh you know manage a business manage a restaurant uh in a cyberpunk city which is the the, the thing that got me uh it looks really cool and um i always wanted to get into one of these like this isn't exactly uh uh what's a, a stardew like but like the sort of s similar like there's still there's a little bit of farming in here uh but this sort of life sim like management sim but uh the thing that tipped it over for this one was like oh but put that in uh cyberpunk urban environment and like mm. i'm curious how they if they how they handle like what those differences actually mean you know mm -hmm. um but it seems neat Want to start, start a food stall in the in the city? Yeah, <laughs> it's also worth noting that it is set, takes place in the cloud punk setting. So the game Cloud Punk, which is a game huh. about being a delivery driver uh, in a cyberpunk city, it takes place in that exact city. Um, so it is a continuation of that same world, which I think is I think is neat and cool. Yeah, I think for me, uh, not a lot to hold, not really a lot to grab onto uh, at with some of the stuff at the at the PC gaming show um oddly enough the like the um the frost giant RTS reveal that was at the games uh summer games fest straight like that did nothing for me stormgate, that that yeah. yeah stormgate did like nothing about that sold me on it uh meanwhile PC gamer show had this like little like teaser trailer of a game uh called Falling Frontier Yes. And I'm like, yes. So the thing is, there's more to like they, they like the trailer doesn't show shit, but it's a cool trailer. Yeah. But like if you go and look up stuff about the game, it also looks kind of cool. It's a uh, like a, it's a, a space warfare RTS with like, as they put it, like an emphasis on like uh logistics and supply uh so it's about like controlling the resources in a in a 
uh, system and then using that to like build out your war machine to like fight whoever your enemy is. Who gives a shit? Looks awesome. The art style <laughs> looks neat. Uh, like vibes of uh the free space uh games with like yeah. huge starships sort of looming out of like gaseous ne- nebulae and such like n- like this sucking cool vibes there's a there's a gif on on their steam page of a ship slowly crawling through an asteroid field and the asteroids blocking its line of sight and other enemy yes. ships popping in and out of view and i'm just like fuck yes fuck yes yeah that <laughs> stuff looks cool uh that like that is the thing where that's probably the one where i'm like they've showed very little and mostly what they've shown is like tone and like just a little hint of like the the stuff they're trying to evoke yeah and it's just enough for me to be like and I'm going to build yeah, beautiful castles yeah. in the air. Uh, <laughs> this is this. this is what again? Can you remember the name? Falling uh, Frontier. Falling Frontier. Yeah. So it's it's being published by a, a studio a publisher called Hooded Horse. Don't know anything about them. They they recently uh, took up took up they, like they're the publisher for uh, Old World. Uh, to call back to the interview we did with uh, Leyland Soren Johnson. Um. Falling Frontier is another one of theirs, and I think there's a third in their portfolio, but like, I don't know anything about them. Um, and they, they're, they're, and this is being developed by uh, Stutter, Stutter Fox. Fox Studios, which this yeah. seems, is this their first game? As far as I can tell. Uh, yeah, the the developer, Todd Darcy, I don't know if he's done much else, uh, but yeah, like I, it, again, showed just enough. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm I'm here. I'm, I'm I'll 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 try that out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's 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 me. Patrick, is anything else like hovering on your? I I mean I can't get that game. Was it a uh, skim? Skim? Shim? The game where you jump between shadows? Yeah. Oh the yeah. Game was, that's uh, just that looks cute. Like yeah, that just looks, really looks really cool. Like I'm I as someone that is obsessed with platformers, but you know is not obsessed with them being presented in like how they were conceived in the eighties and nineties, with just better graphics or different aesthetics. I, I, I just like jumping and playing with momentum. And I like when that's presented in novel ways and skim, like there's like skim for hundred percent what I fucking live for. <laughs> like, it's like, aha, I can jump, but now in a new way, uh, that's what I, I love that. Um, I have one last very quick one because mm-hmm. it always every time it pops up the, the like art style throws me again. Uh, called Faith: The Unholy Trinity, that yeah. horror game that looks like, uh, how do you describe it? It's like very simplistic, sort of like it plays at being um like old graphics, but then suddenly there's movements and animations that are like, oh, you couldn't have done this on like mm-hmm. the Mac two that they are emulating. Yeah. Or oh yeah. Or an, Atari, an Atari 2600 or whatever. Like, yeah, right. Right. It like yeah. jumps between the two aesthetic modes and it's like, but this is more like Co- Commodore 64. Yeah. yeah. Uh, art. But like, but then it jumps to like, oh wow, that, that is a thing that you wouldn't have seen on that uh, hardware. And it's kind of terrifying in that jump as well, which is a neat way mm. I think to do do this sort of throwback I didn't see aesthetic. This. This looks, yeah, this, this was at great. The, I think this they actually first showed this for a longer period of time, a year or two ago, and then it popped up again in the PC game one, I believe. These for like games a split have been second. coming out for a while. These games yeah. have been coming out for like this is the collection of them, as opposed to the games individually on their own, which you can just play right now. I believe one and two are out. The third is not mm. yet out. 
um, but this is the bundle that puts them on okay. other systems and like, is the cohesive version. That's why it's coming up again. Yes. Um, they have an association with the DreadX collection I mentioned earlier. I believe that they are published by um, DreadXP um, or have a relationship to them because uh, David Zymanski's works, um, the developer of Iron Lung, uh, a one of the devs on Gloomwood, I believe, and um, a dev on Dusk has like their games included in a bundle, um, if I'm correct, or I could be misremembering, but there's a whole zone of horror that is like a community there that Faith's a part of. All right, well, uh, I will take a break there. The second half of the show, you're going to hear our post-Microsoft Showcase discussion with the Next Lander gang. Uh, so stick around for that and we'll back with you, uh, for another waypoint radio on Friday. Uh, so stick around. If there's, I will, I'll butt in. If there is a, um, if something very specific gets announced at a Capcom thing later today, I, I have already secured 15 minutes of time with a certain individual. It doesn't happen. Oh, Dogma yeah. fans out there know what I'm talking about. <laughs> wolf. Get God, out I there. Wolf, so wolf. Bad. God, I want it so fucking bad. Uh, if that doesn't happen, then I'm not going to waste this time. But I, I, I will have something to append to this if that happens. So manifest, manifest that if you can, please. <laughs> every day, every day I wake up, I'm manifesting Dragon's Dogma too. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Well, highlights, lowlights, what do you got? I, I, I thought that GoldenEye thing, the GoldenEye achievements went out like a week or two yeah. ago. I thought that they would, I thought that was going to be here, but. <clears throat> but hasn't it been like a GoldenEye remake rumored for, I feel like, the last five years? Yes. Yes. To some degree, yeah. Yeah. I thought well, it was exactly like solid. Some decent stuff in there, Fine. like Peniment looked cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, getting Silk Song in there is definitely some some red meat for people who are <laughs> mm -hmm. really fucking yeah, desperate the, to play that game. Yeah, the, yeah. the, the Pentiment yeah. rumors before this happened said they were taking a lot from Disco Elysium for that thing. Okay, yeah. right, remember that. That was probably the one thing I saw that like genuinely caught me off guard and like had me legitimately excited. Like a lot of the rest of this felt very much. Uh, I don't know, just like it was very much delivering on the sort of stuff you'd expect from this and then a lot of the stuff that like you might be really might be really on your radar or that you're excited about what we saw was either not reassuring or still just really vague um yeah. like i don't know like i imagine like maybe there's just no way that they're gonna get me on board for um redfall like it's like every everything I, every time i see that i'm like i wish i were more excited by the way that looks but something about like it's tone and what I'm saying in terms of like what you're doing in the game just never quite lands, and that yeah 
is kind of about a lot of uh, the major releases they're teasing uh, right now. But even the, like get the, the Redfall, you do get Forza. But when they showed Redfall, it, the thing I kept going back to was, oh, that elevator power looks cool because it's like the one thing that I could parse right. out from what they were showing. You know, it wasn't the kind of thing where they like had a gameplay demo that's like, hey, here's how we're bouncing between three characters and here's some like talk over explaining like, you know what I mean? It was just kind of hard to figure out what's happening here. Why is it interesting beyond like the cool effect for the vampires vanishing? And then also, as I look at it, they said this game could be played solo. Everything I'm seeing makes it seem like this might not be as fun to play solo. what, Like what is the pitch on this game? Is it really meant to be, Hey, we built it solo, but that's not the way, you know what I mean? So I just kind of come out of it going, uh, like it looks neat and I might like it, but I still don't know. It looks more real, but I don't have like a better sense of how I even I personally feel on it. I think I feel like Redfall lost a lot of its like aesthetic drive that the original trailer had and exchanged it for a series of relatively interesting system mechanics uh, or like potentially interesting system mechanics and like co-op interaction, which might have been the game's initial premise. But like a lot of the pitch that they did in that trailer did not come through at all here, um, and no, that suggests no. to me that like. I have also heard things that like th- there was a version of this that was not well received uh, and they've had to like go back to the shop on it. Um, and I am wondering if this version of the game is the direct product of that or if it is um, a continuation of the thing that I heard about. I also feel like it's weird for a type of game that in general I'm like, yeah, that's cool and fun to play with friends. I do feel also the four-player co-op thing or the small squad co-op game is also like a hard thing to sell just because it's hard to it is hard to unpack both what is going to be different and cool about this and also a thing that is an interesting enough vibe for you to want to run again and again with your friends which i think is how you end up with kind of slightly grating cutesy trailers for games like this which is all like Mm -hmm. hey remember how much you loved like just hearing the characters banter in left for dead 2 well, we got that vibe, too. But in the trailer, and especially the type of comedy they're writing, which is maybe a little bit more... Um, oh, God. Uh, the Gearbox uh, series. Quippy. Yeah, Borderlands. Um, yeah, Borderlands. Borderlands infused. Yes. Yeah, very qui- very quippy. Uh, one thing that is, uh, I guess, not shocking, but if they're sticking to this 12 months thing, uh, there was no stalker here understandable why that game is going to take longer than even that initial delay that happened pre like uh (laughs) war and conflict but uh yeah you know the lack of its presence here i think would should instill a sense that you know the game is probably now you know like late late next year which you know take the time you know it's safe that but uh selfishly as someone that wants to see more of that game and how it was actually going to play uh yeah uh Understandable, but a bummer. I was going to say, there's no stock, but there's also no Halo. No there Halo. Is, nothing. Halo, it's, it's also worth noting that Halo Infinite ends on, I'm not going to spoil what it is, but a suggestion that they will have to do another video game's worth of, like, character building and, like, plot development. It ends on, like, a, a pretty explicit cliffhanger. There was no mention of that, and if they're trying to pitch Halo Infinite as a live service game, which is what they are doing... Right, in terms of their multiplayer structure, in terms of the release schedule for things like Forge and Campaign Co-op, 
it is very strange to me that they did literally nothing with the huge narrative um, and like gameplay cliffhanger that the video game Halo Infinite that they released last year ends on. It feels extremely They're strange. Big, I, I, it's weird to say, like, their big exclusive, and I mean that in the singular. Like, it is the thing that is out for the Xbox that is, like, their big thing. And to not even get, like, a touch on future multiplayer stuff, involved, stuff involving the Forge, anything, yeah. is curious, at the, at the very least. Yeah, it's that is alarming. Really strange. Uh, yeah, I mean, so, there's I mean, like you can kind of kind of like go down the list of things that were not here, right? Like Fable, they announced was it last year? Mm-hmm. I think it was like the the thing that happened at this time last year, right? They showed that Fable reveal trailer, and then nothing on that. Oh, that thing ain't ready. Um, yeah. Like, what else do they have in the hopper? Um, What's the, like the, the other the other Obsidian be, uh, fantasy game? Uh, Avowed. That, Avowed is their kind of like Skyrim like. Sort of, yeah, from Obsidian, like nothing on that. Uh, like the Coalition's got to be up to something. I don't know if it's like Gears, or <laughs> they're up to six, right? I, should I think they've. Said, I think the, uh, yes. the rumors have pegged them at doing t- two things. So like they have something okay. new brewing, and then also, I mean, a Gears six, to, you know, ends on a cliffhanger as well. Like they're they're right. going to do more of those. Uh, right. Yeah. I mean, at least Obsidian dark. here did have stuff. Um, perfect dark. Yeah, yeah. No, no perfect dark. No. Uh, what's the, what's their Santa Monica studio? The initiative, I think. Right. Initiative. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like we don't. You yeah. mean Crystal Dynamics? <laughs> sure. Who is now owned by? <laughs> who is now owned by a different company, but is also still yep. co-producing Perfect Dark? Weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I I pulled up a list of everything they announced if, just to jog memories here. I guess. Hellblade uh, Two. Yeah. Nothing. Nothing there. Yeah. No uh, Hellblade Two. I'm, yeah. Like. Genuinely shocked that there was, you know, that game had an extended, like, pseudo-gameplay sequence at the Game Awards that looked... Uh, whatever you think about why are they making a sequel to this quaint, fairly quiet game that is trying to be a meditation of mental illness, I don't know if that needs to have some expanded world-building done to it, but they're doing it anyway, and it looks very pretty. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm surprised they there was nothing... Nothing there from that. Um, some people are saying there are there were games not in the showcase that were in that big spreadsheet. Like apparently Stalker was in the spreadsheet, so that might still be. They're claiming that it's coming in in the next twelve months. Um, there, I think they said they just resumed development. Isn't there yeah, a yeah. second uh, showcase they're doing later with like more stuff? More gameplay. It, I don't think more. Yeah, no, I don't think it's announced. Uh, I think okay. it's just gameplay. Well, but yeah, like those are typically yeah. like interviews and more right. footage type stuff. I was just thinking because Stalker already was announced, maybe they'll put another cinematic yeah. thing out there, and because it's not new gameplay or something, so it couldn't technically be part of this one. Yeah, I get. I mean, I could. It, it seems more. It'd be weird to like have no Halo stuff than Halo there. Even even if you're like, hey, right. come back for the mm-hmm. show, the second showcase. We'll actually show you what we're doing in Forge. You don't have time for it today. Um, uh, even if just to like that, you know, whatever you think of three four three and. Microsoft has handled the Halo as a as a property. By all accounts, that studio has been busting their ass for years under pretty middling management and direction uh, to produce what they're producing, uh, and then to like get no shout out in the showcase. I, I like you know that's kind of the nice. thing. Just like the the symbolism go, of like not getting the recognition. Yeah, yeah, like lack of interest from corporate side in like flagging what's happening with Halo for people playing it, and lack of like regard for people who are working on making Halo. It's like a, it's a weird vibe uh, for it to for it to go that way. 
it's frustrating because I think that this is like to me the story of Halo Infinite, which is like an actually extremely well put together video game that has been mired by very obvious poor decision making from people who are op- who are above it, right? The, yeah. The game's like obvious discoherencies feel like direct products of people who are making decisions that like developers just have to sign and implement. Um, and, like or people grabbing the steering the wheel least, when they should not. Right, or like de- or implement in the least obstructive ways that they can, but even if it is uh, implemented in a non-obstructive way, it's still there, and that somehow makes it worse, because it is yeah. poorly, as opposed to implemented with, like, enthusiasm. Uh, and so you mm-hmm. get, like, a map of systems in a game that is, like, pretty good. The story's a mess, though. <laughs> I'm not sure I can. I'm not. I'm just the like. You totally right. Management has like whipped that game around, but also the storytelling in Infinite is just as messy as as you know four and five, and, and they just yeah. I like playing it a lot. We are we're gonna have this argument every time Halo comes mm-hmm. up. Um, we're not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying uh, a word will not pass these lips. Now you know you know who knows what their story is about is the Rat Pack Two people. They know what we want to say, <laughs> and that's and that's kids wandering a medieval wasteland pursued by and weaponizing rats. Mm-hmm. You know, the rat this is, is the both the, rat. the existential threat and right. also, yeah, the solution to the various gameplay problems uh, they encounter right. along the way. The rats will flow like wine. Uh, so. I just want to go back to Starfield real quick, because I think it was just a... I guess for me, I'm always going to be in the... I would like something to sort of capture the vibe, and this is just not Bethesda's bag, so I shouldn't hold against it, but, like, capture the vibe of, like, early Mass Effect in some ways, Mm -hmm. of, like, cool sci-fi setting, like, memorable conceits, locations, stories, and the opposite of that to me is, like, Set foot on an alien planet. There's a big fucking rock there. Your interface does a trace outline of and tells you how mm-hmm. much, like, how much material is in it uh, for you to extract. And, like, I don't know. <laughs> like, what if there was me, a cool space tra- crab, though? What if they had yeah. cool space crabs? The, the guy pulled his gun out was like, walk away. Walk away. Yeah. This is my iron. Yeah. Doesn't that say more about your disappointment in Bioware as a company than it is, like, Bethesda made a game that looks exactly like what if Bethesda made a game in space? I guess I, I guess to me it's like, in my head I'd still viewed Fallout 4 as a new experiment, and Fallout 76 is, like, the focused iter- like iteration on sort of crafting gameplay, and was still thinking, like, but we'll do something like Fallout 3 in space, right? And mm-hmm. the answer is no. The answer is, and we're going to have spaceship combat. And we're going to have crafting and building bases. And there's going to be a story. And I guess for me, like, my hook into this stuff, like, for why I like spend time in a world, tends to be the story in the setting. And that's where I was just like, I don't, just nothing going on here for me. Just zero. Like, the big, you know, the secret to our universe is, will finally be revealed, and they show the uh, the thing from Contact. And I'm like, yep, see, I know I know that machine. I know what we're yeah. doing here. That's a good uh, movie. But yeah, I don't know. It is a good movie. Underappreciated. But yeah, I don't know. I think we should have said a poet. 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I tapped out of Fallout 4, like, way earlier than Patrick even did, but, like, is it... Mm-hmm. I mean, would you say it's fair that they kind of de-emphasize the main storyline in that game? Like, that's kind of, that was kind of the impression <sighs> I got to an extent when I was playing it. It was like, yes, there is a main plot here, and I could do these quests, or I could just go spend 80 hours doing stuff that has nothing to do with it. Like, I, I don't know if maybe that's the direction they're going There was plenty this. of story in Fallout 4. There was plenty of side stuff to do. I just didn't find... And like when I played three and New Vegas and all their expansions, in which I put probably five to six hundred hours into old, like I did everything. I even did the bad stuff. Like this is not a compelling side quest, but I'm going to do it um, because I was just so taken by the world and exploring it. And four, you could fully just disregard the crafting or I get you know like the base building stuff. I just didn't even interact with it. And the game never required me to like, hey, you can't access this story mission unless you have base level four or whatever and i don't get the sense that starfield is going to do that either it sounds like hey do you want to have like convenience things near you because you're going to spend a lot of time on this planet like you can build a little base here um so as long as that stuff can get out of the way that's all that's all right um for me it was just like the writing and the quest design i just didn't it just didn't hook me or just the magic fell off it's like look if the, if the criticism of bethesda is they just keep remaking the same game over and over you know at some level, yeah, of course I got bored after doing 600 hours of it. And then they just made another one of those with a couple of extra things around it. And it just turns out the spell was over with me and I needed to go find something else. And I think that may be some of just what we're seeing here. Is like, yeah. well, is enough for you that it's in space and there's some space combat? Um, or like, go go find what you want out of that game somewhere else because Bethesda is just going to keep making what it's making because tens of millions of people are are happy or they get enough new people in that it doesn't that it doesn't matter that some fall off. See, I think for me, like it is enough to get me interested in it because at least it's not just the same damn settings that they've been sort of jumping yeah. around between Elder Scrolls and Fallout, you know, over the last several decades. But I also know that I'm going to run into the exact same wall I run into every single time with these. Every time Todd Howard paints a tunnel on a brick wall and I run straight forward <laughs> because at some point I will realize, oh, I actually don't like playing their games. They're not actually that fun to me, but they somehow hook me in every time thinking this will be the one that's different. And maybe this will mm-hmm. be the one that's different. I see that brick wall right now. I'm running straight for it. It'll be there waiting for me in like February or whatever. <laughs> see, the pro- yeah, go for it. No, please, Rob. Well, I was just going to say, my way into this is going to be like, oh shit, they made X3, but it's good now. And then, like, that's how I end up, like, falling ass backwards into this. Is like, man, this doesn't seem like it's for me. Hey, do you want to build a vertically integrated mining conglomerate in space and uh, travel the travel galaxy, cornering the commodity market on several key vital inputs? And I'd be like, yes, yes, I do. Hold on. Fuck yes, you do. How many, how many bases can I own? How many, can I, have, <laughs> can I manage fleets? Can I build ships? And then, like, have, and then I'm, then I'm gone. I think yeah, I, like I kind of this... had the same reaction when I. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, please. No, like when I saw the ship editor, like the like the Mass Effect comparison is kind of apt because as soon as I saw the ship builder, and then I was like, okay, well, you're going to be able to walk around inside that thing, right, and decorate it how you want, and fly it where you want, and I was like, that's all I ever actually wanted out of Mass Effect was to have my own spaceship <laughs> and do what I wanted with it, right? And if this is that, then there's at least like that level of wish fulfillment. But yeah, like, what's waiting for you on all those like, you know. 6,000 planets or whatever there are in the game is still a pretty open question, right? Yeah, and the other Mods. open question is, can you marry a hot blue lady? <laughs> and that's They're going to the go full Mass Effect. Me. They have to allow that. I think that, I think that my fundamental problem with, with Bethesda games and with like the lineage going forward from Fallout, 
Fallout 3 is that they have actually a pretty solid toolkit. The toolkit that they have built, even if they make the same game mechanically over and over and over again, the tools that they have in that toolkit are fine. They're useful. Mm -hmm. They can be used to tell interesting stories. And the, and the thing that I, that I am frustrated by is the fact that they have chosen to tell the same kinds of stories with a relatively expansive toolkit over and over and over and over again. And I do not trust them to do that in a new setting. I do not trust them to right. do anything more, even if they add an entire layer of new mechanics, whether it be through fleet management or shipbuilding or all of these things, they are going to be tacked on to a world that doesn't have interest in telling stories about those mechanics. Fallout 4 was barely interested in what the stories emerge from city building are, and I do not trust Starfield to have the conviction to be able to do it. Yeah, I think that's a good encapsulation of like why the expansiveness still ends up feeling kind of small-minded to me a lot of times. Sure. Um, but yeah, um... I don't know. At least I'm gonna get my illuminated manuscript adventure out of this deal. Yeah, you know, if yeah. I get nothing else. If you get that and some nice looking else. cars, call it a day. You're not gonna be a, a mech farmer. Make you know, I might do some mech farmer. Yeah. Yeah. Mech farmer sounds like you're tricking mechs to come out to your farm and you're and you're, you're busting them up in the middle of the night. Well, I'm farming <laughs> mechs out here. I'll tell you what. <laughs> mm -hmm. Oh no. Oh yeah, that Lightyear game looked looked cute. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Curious. I would I would play that with a group of friends because um, I like Max and farming seems cool. I like the idea of using Max for non-combat things. I just don't know if they'll do interesting things with the idea of using Max for non-combat operations. Even this Xbox wire post does not say who is making that game. It's kind of strange how huh. de-emphasized some of the developers are hmm. in this. Yeah, there's a couple of those. During this presentation, that felt like they just made no mention at all. Um, yeah, I've, I've got this in front of me just to like jog people's memories about other stuff that got announced. That that Aura History Untold, the turn-based strategy game. Yeah. Mm. Even here, it says, In development at Oxide Games, which was founded by and includes many of the leads that shipped one of the most popular turn-based strategy games of all time. What does that they mean? Which one? They declined. Which They made Ashley with the singularity. Are they, are they... That's so frustrating. Are they tiptoeing past, uh, like, Fallen Enchantress or the other Stardock shit? Um, like, Galsiv? Um, I don't know. Why I wonder they? if it's just, like, trying to, like... Like, are they aware that they're at, like... That largely because of its CEO, Stardock stuff is, like, toxic? Yeah. Um, yes. Like, nobody wants to talk about anything that, like, Brad Wardell has touched. Um, sure. So I do wonder if they're, like soft peddling that um but also if like the claim to fame is ashes of the singularity that game like even setting the, that stuff aside i could not find a single thing to care about there so i don't know i don't know what the lineage they're claiming is there um creative director brian is... wade uh was a lead programmer on civ 5 Okay, yeah, so Civ was my, like, All benign right. guess at what they were talking about there, but yeah. then why wouldn't you just come out and say Civ? Just say Civ 5, right? Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, I understand uh, the, the instinct to want to not mention Stardock by name, but it's like, it, you're not saying these are people who agree with the people who run Stardock. It's like, no, they just worked on these games you've heard of. No. Uh, actually, yeah, this guy was lead programmer on Command and Conquer 3, Lord of the Rings Battle for Middle-Earth 2. <laughs> okay. A bunch of, yeah, a bunch of... Yeah, if it if it's just civilization, those all seem pretty benign to me. Just 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 say from the lead, leads who worked on civilization. 
Um, yeah. Let's see, there was that, that Minecraft Legends, right? What's the name of that? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's not, it sadly did not turn out to be an RTS from both sound of things. Well, oh. Wait, what's that? action what? strategy game is it? Is how they is how they yeah. describe it here. Well, that might be that might be how they what they mean by strategy. You know what I mean? Like we think yeah. RTS, we think top down, yeah. like you know, gather some units and this. You know the way they've been approaching. If you play Minecraft Dungeons, like their approach to a action RPG Diablo style Minecraft, like they they take those elements and then they distill them down in a in a different way um, and make them really accessible to a broad audience. So. Um, their definition of strategy may be <laughs> like a little broader than, mm -hmm. than how all of us might, might think of it. But if it's, if they take the same approach they did to dungeons, they'll, they'll end up with like a really excellent game. Cause, cause uh, Minecraft dungeons is, is really overlooked. Yeah. If I was trying to bridge the gap between RTS and action strategy, I, this is my, this is my guess based on what they have with dungeons. I wonder if they're going to do like, if if RTSs move into MOBAs, right, based on like that is the, that is the lineage there, I wonder if they're going to make a action game that is in that intermediary step between no like okay, you are care you can you are controlling a character who can <laughs> mm -hmm. do things, and also you have some little guys you can direct around, but primarily you're going to be doing a two and a half D perspective where you have or isometric perspective where you have a certain set of abilities that your specific character is known for and then you are also doing some kind of like strategy or economy side of things yeah, Legends, yeah it, it, minecraft edition <laughs> <laughs> like... mm -hmm. yeah I, I might have had an overly simplistic read on that footage i just saw like kind of almost ground level shot of character swinging sword and I just assumed you know kind of run around and hit stuff but scorn might have been too meaty for me yeah oh that's your line that was yeah. too meaty <laughs> you want you, it you, might, but if, what if there was a fan in there but it's there's too much sex well, in, on, in yes, scorn there <laughs> uh the psychosexual dread of scorn might have been yeah it might have been too much i just couldn't handle it's true, it that is more geiger like that i mean that, that's all they're doing is they're just like hey we watched a yeah. lot of concept art from alien and you know how alien suggested you could fuck it we're like we'll let you fuck <laughs> what, it. do um, you want to fuck it yeah. <laughs> this is more like the Geiger paintings that did not find their way into major cinematic projects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and but again, the problem with that scoring over and over when I see it is that, that there, it's a game that I just wish had the conviction to be a walking simulator or like yeah. give me some obscure puzzles to mess with because I just every time they show off shooting something, I might ugh, okay. But I, I mean, how can that. you really uh, get to the psychosexual root of this unless you can have a really wet <laughs> dick gun? <laughs> Uh, look, I'll fire that dick gun. You're not gonna have to. Yeah, of course you will. Work too hard to convince me, but fuck. Hey, speaking of my firing, uh, my children listening. Yeah. <laughs> so listen, Man. here's a segue. Speaking of firing, uh -huh. big guns. Uh huh. Robot uh -huh. seizure dawn. I did enjoy the look of that, and as Ren noted, the knockback on firing your giant fuck off flintlocks did look really cool. I did uh, like it, yeah. Also, like, there is something just inherently cool about giant old-timey, like, firearms with, like, hammers the size of actual, like, hardware hammers being used <laughs> to, like, set off the charge. I love that shit. Give me more. You ever seen a... Rob, do you know about... I, I assume you do, but you know about wheel lock pistols, right? Or, like, wheel lock weapons? Yeah. They look sick as shit. Like, it's they just yeah. true that they look extremely sick. They are 
fucking rad as hell. Are you kidding me? More games should have wheel lock guns, is what I'm saying. Look, I I even have there's a there's a spot there's a spot in my heart for the fire lock. You know, I just love the cl- the clumsiness of it, where it's like I just got burning fuse just hanging here off my gun. Love it. Hell yes. Got to use a little cannon. Oh. Um, and then yeah, I don't know. I keep coming back to as dusk falls was just one of the weirdest fucking looking games. <laughs> like it is ever, so strange in a way that. <sighs> Yeah, I have to I respect a good swing. I, I love that yeah. they're taking a swing. Yeah, the thing I don't know that if it's going to land it was the camera work. The camera work was compelling to me. The idea of mm-hmm. using that motion comic aesthetic with 3D camera work. There was a moment in the trailer where I was like, "Oh, this aesthetic is working," and it's when she was running down the sidewalk and the camera was right. moving, and then the echoes of the character kept moving along with it, and I was like, okay, cool, this is the moment where I'm actually seeing the utility of this aesthetic, but I think that they don't have enough keyframes. That is my worry, is yeah. that from what we've seen, the aesthetic would work really well if they had, like, twice the amount of keyframes that they're using, um, and that is my worry. Well, especially because some things are just fully animated, right? Like, there's 3D models in there mm-hmm. that are just moving, and you're like, oh, that that's running at 60, and the other things are, like, 2 which is just a weird mix. I don't know. Okay, there's some. Okay, hold on. So there's this graphic yeah. that Xbox put out about this 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 spreadsheet. Okay, so they, yeah. the whole pitch of this was we're going to show you games, we're going to show you gameplay coming out over the next twelve months, and then this spreadsheet seemingly would be a, a neat summary of all of that, right? But right. you know what's not on this list? Mm. Silk Song. <laughs> it is not on okay. this list. For 2022 uh-huh. or 2022. So what was Silksong spackling over? <sighs> what if it's a Kojima thing? Was it like we have space because we can't show the Kojima trailer anymore? Or I mean, they just want to you know uh, brag that it's coming to Game Pass, but sure. I think it's yeah, it's just interesting that it's now. Granted, this this graphic is very tidy and equal, so it's like I guess mm. it's possible there maybe are other games that were not mentioned. That aren't on here, and this, they just got left off because they wanted to be like you know five games on each side of this graphic. But uh, I, I, the people who were taking away from this presentation that we're getting Silk Song in the next twelve months, maybe you should take a deep breath, be like me, uh... and just ready for yourself that that might not be the case. Does that also mean that Kojima's new game won't be out by this time next year? Almost certainly not. Wait, now people are saying on Twitter. They confirmed is that the, oh can I get, oh they said it's the next twelve months on Twitter okay all right all right all right is this Wait, another thing with like the Kojima Sony that? like graphic where it's like the graphic cannot be trusted um well I mean that's why I was like that's why I was opening open to the possibility that look they wanted this to be look nice and symmetrical and five on each side and so maybe there were things that were left out so if they're confirming that on Twitter then that's that's good I can at least. Hold on to that yeah. before it doesn't come out in the next 12 months, but I can tell myself that it is. Uh, Video games. I, yeah, I think it probably yeah. does it. Uh, the PC Gamer so. uh, show is starting soon. Um, you know, I mean, one thing I think we have to acknowledge here is that Xbox um, had an absolute barren cupboard of uh, haunted space stations. Um, they're really... <laughs> they are losing the, uh, like, nightmare haunted space, space station arms race. Uh, I think it, I think it bodes ill for them. They got some work to do on that front. Yeah. Uh, also, the, on the Neil Druckmann appearances. First... <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Really fucked that one up. I didn't. I didn't have to listen to Troy Baker talk for a minute, even 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 ten minutes. 
Mm-hmm. We uh, th- think of think of the stories from the shoot we missed. <laughs> All uh, those Robin, we'll at least point out that, that routine was announced as a as a PC and Xbox thing, though. So that is a Game Pass Xbox thing. Mm. So not but not is present it here. Months? It is not. Well, I reached out to those developers, then I was like, "Yo." The fuck happens, man? Like we gotta talk. I mean, <laughs> multiple people making the Starfield will all the have all the deserted space stations you want joke. They well, they responded back. They're like, "Hey, we, we we almost reached out to you to tell you that something was happening, and we thought it was much funnier if you just found out, which it was. It was so much funnier <laughs> how it occurred on our stream of Rob and I being like, it'd be so funny if this was routine, but it couldn't. That game's dead, and then it was routine. Uh, but yeah, that game is. It sounds like it's. It's got some time. Like they've had proper funding and they got producers on it and it'll probably actually be a thing. But um they're like, ah, we'll we'll talk to you a little bit later uh about actually what, what went wrong. The short version of it is it sounds like they got embarrassed that they didn't like the game anymore at the end and then didn't want to tell people that they didn't like it anymore, so they just disappeared. Which is one way you can like, do it. And then I identify strongly with that. Yeah. 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 For sure. That's, <laughs> that's how I handle my worst owls. Back away slowly. <laughs> and on that note, let's call this stream a wrap. <laughs> All right. Uh, I think we're going to get on and enjoy the rest of our weekends, watch, uh, maybe maybe tune into the PC Gamer Show, uh, you know, or just follow the news on that, see how many haunted space stations are revealed. Um, we're going to be back with our usual schedule uh, on Monday, and then... The Waypoint crew is going to be in New York. Uh, gosh, is it only? Is it only a week away? Yeah, it is only it is. a week away. We have some meetings. <laughs> Keyboards will be built. Keyboards oh, yeah. will be set on fire. No, they won't. And the, and the they were again. only. Listen, I I can say I can pick up this keyboard and point to the part that was on fire. And she. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the other, the other I don't think you Sorry. want to have to air quote. <laughs> there, say, was, there was no, there was no open flame anywhere on uh, that keyboard. There was just yeah, smoldering. There's some singings, just some light singing. It's just some singing, and you know what's a what's a bit of electronics? What's a little, little singing between friends? Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, Brad and Alex, though, thank you so much for yeah. swinging by. Yeah, thank you all so much for having us. us. Yeah. What do you what do you uh, what folks, do you all have coming up this next week? Let's see. Uh, I have be... an airplane ride tomorrow. Alex has jury duty. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have jury so, duty at wow, nine a.m. tomorrow morning. Content. Oh my god. <laughs> I will not be live streaming. <laughs> I'll speak to Vinny tomorrow. We'll be we'll be back on our normal schedule as of Tuesday. I think. Well, well Alex Alex's availability tomorrow is pending judicial. Yes. Something something. We'll see where just I end up by the end of tomorrow. You're a journalist. Just say you're a journalist. It gets you out of it. Oh, I'll say literally anything time. to get out of it. I just have to get to that stage. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll be back with all our normal stuff as of Tuesday. Uh, podcast, Ramblecast. I think we're going to play more of the quarry at the end of the week. Maybe I think we are, talk? yeah. That was, a, that was a big hit for us and the audience, so we will stick with that. And then we'll have more should, of an Alex Quest as we continue to yeah. try and finish. Yeah. I suspect there's a bit of quarry in our future as well. That, uh, that yes. trailer cracked me up. So I, I completely yeah. coming from that from coming from the Iraq game to that I think is uh, <laughs> a real change in expectations. I'm really I'm really excited. This one is oh, definitely more a... until dawn than dark pictures. 
Uh, well, that sounds great, uh, Alex. Good luck with your jury nullification. Um, I you. hope it. I hope it goes well. <laughs> uh, I hope you can. I hope you can finesse this without getting like yeah. uh, cited for contempt of court. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, man. I just. Well, I don't think murder should be a goes. crime. Yeah. I don't. You know. That's just my personal belief. Boy, wasn't that a great segment with the Nextlander gang? Didn't we all have fun there? <laughs> oh man, takes we us had back, fun there. huh? Anyway, that's a wrap on today's episode of Waypoint Radio. If you want more from Waypoint, you can follow us on Twitter at Waypoint, Facebook and YouTube, Waypoint Vice. You can follow me on Twitter at Rob Zachney. You can check out uh, Patrick's Twitter at Patrick Lepic. Ren. At Ren or Raven. Kato. At uh, everyone kept saying Summer Games Fest, but it's actually it's Summer Game Fest, and I've counted it, and I'm going to put a little ding every time someone says it wrong in this podcast, so. Whatever. What is your Twitter? <laughs> At A underscore Gato underscore appears. Congrats. I'm going to report you. Look. Keep up with everything we do at waypoint.vice.com. Summer uh, Games implies that they're games about summer. Summer Game Fest means it's a fest for games in the summer. All right, nerd. <laughs> Uh, keep an eye out on waypointgeneralstore.com uh, also we've been streaming a bunch our streams with Nextlander our stream for summer games fast game? uh, thank you for the correction Pat, uh, Kato uh, uh, thanks for respect thanks for I uh, did like Keely send you some brand notes like in the middle of the podcast like, hey Kato it's very funny well, to me all I, of that I, made possible I, by Waypoint Plus. To be fair, I kept saying games because it makes it feel it has better mouth feel. But then I thought about it grammatically. I was like, no, they're right. It should be Summer Game Fest. It's, it's the nice. Game so Fest true. in the summer. <laughs> and thank you for saying it and making it really clear. Anyway, thanks to the folks who signed up at WaypointPlus.com. I hope it's been worth it. Uh, <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> What a pitch. Uh, also, you should check out Kata. Like, I introduced Kata to the world of motorsport management, and oh I would God. say it was a beautiful world. It was intense. Uh, there, we, we laughed. We cried. Uh, we, we let go of a sponsorship that we should have taken. We should. Yeah. <laughs> we left money like, on the table, Rob. Huge amounts of money, and now we're broke. Uh, like. <laughs> Uh, so so be sure and check that out on twitch.tv uh, slash waypoint or uh, check it out when it's uploaded on YouTube. And again, all that made possible uh, by Waypoint Plus. Uh, subscribe at waypointplus.com. Our theme music is, is by Bowen. The track is Miss You off the EP Pale Machine. Learn more at waypoint.zone slash B-O-E-N. For now, that is it for this Tuesday. We'll talk to you again on Friday. Until then, fuck capitalism. Go home. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
You know, I should restart my recording. Yeah, it's, I, but it's, I won't. And <laughs> Rob got this, and that's why we respect you. You know, you you commit. I believe in my producer. Kyle, challenge. Kato can identify a, an unusual spike at three minutes and 44 seconds. <laughs> um, which, by the way, when are we clapping? Well, it's Voish Kato. Kato would oh. hate to miss the clap. Oh, even though Kato not like, back. Knew, yeah. Even though Kato increasingly resents the clap, Kato's like, I wish you guys wouldn't clap because I don't need clap, you to. Clap, 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 clap. The clap's an important tradition. It's part of our. It's 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 an important part of the brand. Thank you very much, Kato. Uh oh. Okay, hello. I'm back. Per- did you did you sneak in an uh oh? What? What? Did you huh? did he say uh oh? Did you say uh oh just a moment ago? Oh no. yes, I did. Oh, I have wait. to go. <laughs> what? What? Wait, what? <laughs> Something was delivered. It's <laughs> perishable. <laughs> Tell that was fridge. extremely funny. <laughs> Did you sneak in an up uh oh a minute ago? I thought you were talking about me. I was. No, I didn't say shit. No, that was wrong. Uh, I thought I heard you say. I thought I heard you say uh oh and then sit down. <laughs> just like the notion that you're also just saying uh oh in your everyday life the, to various things no. was. I found that notion <laughs> profoundly amusing and wanted it to be true. Um, I also think the funny thing there was um, it's not there. Rob, I have a question. Yeah. So you said the uh oh, right? Uh oh. Did he say it again? <laughs> yeah, I think he did. He did. <laughs> Rob is the one who said the uh oh, but then when you, Patrick, said, oh, mm-hmm. I just heard an uh oh, Rob looked surprised <laughs> as if he was not the person who had fucking said it. I am the one who uh ohs. It might be that I just don't realize I do it. It's one of my, like, isn't like it's like a small animal noise like do do i always remember like does a bird remember every note it sings i don't think so (laughs) i oh god i'm so mad uh let me see here people just say anything huh what if this weren't my problem what if it were my wife's problem Copy paste that mentality, Rob. Yeah, Rob. Rob, how frequently do you find yourself asking that exact question? It is her misfortune that she's also more capable than I am, <laughs> and so there's a variety of. Oh yeah, see that worked out fine. See, she's thrilled to do it. All right, we can clap now. Got it. I'm ready. I'm ready too, Kato. My clap is going to be at six and a half minutes. Anyway, let's clap on 50. <laughs> it could be downstairs or it could be at the door. I got like the notice that the door been buzzed in. So I don't know what's going on. Oh, L plus fucking but, ratio. But I have to podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Mom! Mom, I have to podcast. That is the most. That is that is the most embarrassing thing you can say to a to a romantic partner, to a wife, to any human being. Going, no, no, I have to podcast. You know, it's one of those things where sixteen years ago, this was not an imminent risk of like 
getting involved with a white guy. But here we are. <laughs> and it's Chronic. like, my dear, uh, one of my money podcasts is having a recording right now. <laughs>